Part 3 The Onset of Cabin Fever and Other Shenanigans Chapter 9 Becoming One with Cabin Fever Letters to Others and Myself In middle school, I learned the power of the letter. I had some money to purchase a stick of Jolly Ranchers, only to find the wrapper fused to the individually wrapped candy. The candy was inedible. The dissatisfaction was unacceptable. I wrote to the corporate office of the manufacturer and disclosed what had happened, except the details may have been overblown, much like this entire memoir. There was excessive use of a fictional distraught sibling whose only wish was to feast on a Jolly Rancher so that he could focus better on grades once again. There was catastrophic emotional damage that they needed to be mindful of resulting from their improper wrapping. This formal complaint was a product that stemmed out of boredom, more or less. The unforeseen result was that the company replied weeks later with a padded envelope. Inside were three sticks of Jolly Ranchers with a new wax-coated paper wrapping. The candy eased out of the wrapper like Christmas presents. A letter accompanied the envelope, thanking me for bringing the poor quality to their attention. They had transformed their wrappers in response to some of my slightly doctored details. It is amazing, the authority of letters. I'd always read the letters that old historical figures wrote, wondering, who the hell talks like that? The expressions were so over the top. We unearthed what that must have been like to live in an era without a phone on a small scale. You had to make your words count because the dialogue cycle routinely met gaps of weeks or months. A handwritten letter could never match the negligent content or pace of modern texting. Opening a long-anticipated letter from your loved one with only the words WTF or LOL or even one-liners. Not even a postcard gets that much mockery of communication appreciation. One modern-day glance at all of my recent texts would surely fail at being decent individual letters. The combination of text mentality married with letter writing could never materialize. I almost wish it did for the sake of science. In Montana, writing letters became an event. So much time, patience, and care are required to produce a handwritten message. Even receiving one is difficult on the occasions when reading upon receipt is not viable. Care and preservation of that letter must occur. An email is simple. Read it or flag it to read later, or simply delete it. To throw away a letter is almost like discarding a possession or a gift. With so much tangible care taken to craft one, the recipient becomes a de facto curator of the papers. Far more responsibility that a busy or ill-prioritized person cannot accommodate. With enough time that has passed, an entire generation has cycled through having never written or received letters. Letters were written to anyone that had an address. It was an all-out onslaught. Sometimes we were writing to stay in touch. Sometimes we were writing just to spread the hysteria and make people giggle. At times, the two entwined, and it was a grand event to be a part of. Letters rhymed, hosted pictures, 
communicated feelings, misled truths, told disconcerting truths, romanticized the mundane, showcased drawings, told fictional stories, and conducted shock and awe, much like this memoir. Some letters had secret messages embedded within, which called for a decryption device to reveal the true message. Secret statements of such unreasonable darkness that teasingly doctored words of such deep petulance. I even drafted a letter to myself so that Andy could give it to a friend. The intent? So she would think I was losing my mind. Why the hell would you want to do that? Because you have to make offerings to the cabin fever gods from time to time. And those deities had an insatiable appetite. I listened to Led Zeppelin tapes while writing a short letter to Heather. I told her that Brad has been writing letters to himself and hanging them on his wall. I told her I took one down and sent it to her, so she believes me. Brad wrote a letter to himself and I put it in her envelope. His idea. We laughed. Calms, 1-14-2000 There are so many notes we did not write. Letters by each of us to the same person that told the exact opposite story. My five-paged hyped-up of snow abundance in Montana counters Andy's seven-page rant of disbelief about how January is halfway over and there is still no snow. There was a wormhole of potential left on the draft board. Yet, we had a good run nonetheless. The elements of a letter were married to its intended audience. How did you want the letter reader to respond? Was it shock? Was it to be informed? Hopefully, the content was a little funny and original. The most important question was, will they ever forget about it? Probably so, but piecing together unforgettable prose was a reasonable endeavor. I dialed the weirdness of the letters back a notch or two when sending to relatives. Reassuring the people that worried about me the most was paramount. They needed to recognize that there was structure and discipline in our decision-making processes, that all of our contingencies were covered in the event of adversity. They needed to know that all health and wellness would triumph without fail, that everything would be okay. Letter to Parents we're preparing for winter here. Well, sort of. I mean, we kind of used all of our firewood to build the world's first wooden robot. We also took out all the windows and replaced them with saran wrap so we could get into mock western bar fights. I always win, minus one time, when he splashed whiskey into my eyes and blinded me. Andy dared me to take out all the antifreeze in my Isuzu and replace it with milk. Milk doesn't freeze, right? The wood burner stove is being used as a fish tank, so we haven't fired that up yet. Plus, we use the chimney top for our wooden robot's head. All of our warm clothes, blankets, and jackets have been stolen and hidden by a wooden robot, and when we beg to know where they're at, it claims it has a memory malfunction and says, You shouldn't have given me a wooden circuit system if I had a metal one like all of my other robot friends, then we wouldn't have this problem. Would we? I still haven't found a new heavy-duty vehicle to get us through the winter since I traded my Isuzu for a motor scooter. Last, we figured we needed a good photo shoot before hibernation, so we put all of our winter reserves food on the lawn to attract bears. But they came when we were sleeping, ate it all, and we didn't get any photographs. But we still have a 100-pound bag of sugar to live off of. 
Does snow have any nutritional value? But although all of those need to be remedied before the snow comes in in February, we have spent the last five weeks on the blueprints for an under the eight feet of snow tunnel system that'll take us all to all the lakes in the area whenever we feel like swimming. And we have also scouted out the perfect sledding mountain, so we'll make a tunnel to there as well. Letter to Aunt Luann. I love the snow, just playing in it. I built the world's first snow car, but I had a manufacturing glitch in its production forcing the engine to overheat, and not only did I have engine damage, my car melted as a result of the engine's overheating. What a shame. Damage overall would have been lots of money for repairs, so I gave up the Henry Ford fantasy. I realized it was only a dream and decided to invent a much simpler contraption. A round ball of compacted snow that you could throw like a baseball. And the invention worked so well and splattered on Andy's back that he too kicked up production of my invention and, before we knew it, each of us were one-man factories producing what I have named snowballs. Although our products are innovative, due to bad foresight, I realized that our chief product will melt in the spring. So, I guess my inventive mind will have to search further for something that won't melt. Of course. They were not worried one bit. Those letters were incredibly normal, and certainly reassured that our health and mental well-being were pinnacle and highly tended to. Ongoing dialogue through letters would prove to be a great way to stay connected with my beloved family. Letters forced some open-hearted expression and inquiry at a level that face-to-face conversations and phone calls could not promote quite the same. There were consequences if recipients did not respond. The letters escalated and became incessant. We showed no mercy. Brian Ray Day. All I did today was draw a picture of Brian Ray, write him a letter, and listen to the radio, hoping to hear Dream Theater's new single. Calms 10 11 99. Brad wrote a hilarious Mad Lib letter for Brian Ray tonight. Calms 10 13 99. Brad gave me a funny idea for Brian Ray's card. It is a Christmas tree with a bunch of random definitions written all over it. I think it's funny. Calms 12 16 99. We tried letters, we tried Christmas cards. This man was a tremendous human being and a great friend that I had known since high school. He later developed into a key provider of free pizza while he lived in Nashville and worked at Domino's. He was without a nasty bone in his short-statured body, but he was not responding. We had received no letters from him. A new theater of war was upon us.